Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Every action you take to help the late talkers in your life is important, that the fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. I have some questions that I'm going to be getting to. This is a live coaching session, but the main topic that we're going to be starting with is this one. We're going to be talking about ears, behaviors, and autism diagnosis. And when I talk about behaviors, those are communication behaviors because all behavior is communication. So Today, I have a ton of information for you, including some answers to questions that I received on some previous Q&A, so I'm going to get to those today, and yep, so this is your opportunity. Now, I'm just going to let you know that this channel is unique to other speech-related platforms because I am here to equip and empower true language facilitators. And a true language facilitators, you use your own intuitive understanding of the physical, environmental, and emotional slash mindset issues surrounding the problem that you are facing now with the late talking child in your life to help you take your next best action. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to give you information and provide resources to equip and empower you to get it done. So also just want to say welcome and thanks for joining me. I'm playing around with my green screen today because we've got St. Patty's Day. So get your notepad out because we're going to be doing some big discussion here talking about the next situation. And this is a coaching session, which means that you are involved, right? So if you have questions about this topic or another topic, in the comments of this video and this is effective whether you're watching live or on the replay because again at the end of this video i'm going to be getting to three or four questions depending on how fast i get through this coaching part um from quite parents who have been asking me questions in other videos so if you're one of those parents definitely stay tuned to the end so that we can get to those coaching questions okay now Let's get into today's topic, which is about the ears and the autism diagnosis and stuff. So what everyone needs to understand, and I know this because of my experience working with late talking children for decades, okay? And I know because I've seen all the diagnoses, I've seen whatever, and it's not much different now. If we're talking about a physical root cause, for late talking. The number one reason for the late talkers to be delayed, especially if there is no other thing that's evident. They're not premature. They're not born with a, with a, um, a chromosomal issue. Otherwise, the child looks healthy, but there is potentially a physical root cause because we're looking at physical, environmental, and emotional reasons. And the number one reason that toddlers are late talking, the most common, I should say, and I want to say number one, I'm going to say most common, is this ear fluid slash infection situation and a child's reaction to the experience. So remember, the majority of kids who are physically restricted, blocked from speech delay, 
and from a physical situation, this is happening and it causes them to display these communication behaviors of pain, frustration, and failure. Because when there is a blockage to hearing that is not from birth and is coming and going because of infections and pain and fluid that's blocking hearing, the result is pain, frustration, and failure at some level of all of those things. So remember that if a late talking child is experiencing those things and they don't have a spoken language to communicate it, they're going to be using behaviors, communication behaviors to communicate these things because they are experiencing them with this ear fluid. And remember, the majority of kids have had this. And if you know that there's ear fluid in your child's head, because you've done evaluation, you've gone to the ear, nose, and throat doctor, you've seen those things, then you can be sure that the behaviors you are seeing could be communicating pain, frustration, or failure, all right? Now, the other thing that parents need to know before I get even into the five special tips that I have about this is this right here. And this is true for every late talking child, no matter what's going on, but especially if they have any kind of physical blockage to their late talking. If they have a tongue tie, if they have um, a cerebral palsy, if they have any kind of physical blockage to their late talking, they need you to understand them so you can help them because they are experiencing these blockages and they need you to help them because they're blocked. It's physically blocked. They need help. They need assistance. They need accommodation. They need something. And so these communication behaviors that work when they do a certain thing, even the tantrums, even the pulling at their head, even the whining, the crying, the whatever they're doing to get you to respond to their needs. If you are responding, then they're going to keep practicing and they're going to turn that communication that works, communication behaviors that work. They will turn them into their habitual functional language and they like this language and it's useful for them. So they have ownership of it. They have developed, they've trained you to understand it. And this is true for every physical blockage, every physical blockage, because they have a blockage and they need help. And if you as the parent or caregiver have placed yourself in the position in the child's life to be their problem solver, to be their helper, to be their accommodator, to be the one that solves their problems, then they're going to come to you. They're training you with this communication behavior. When I do this, it means I'm in pain, I am frustrated, or I'm discomfort in some way. I need help. I need you, so I'm doing this so you help me. And that's because you will respond to those things. And it doesn't matter if it's a whine, if it's a meltdown, whatever you're responding to is what they will continue to do, right? So this is an important aspect to understand because remember, we are talking about not just the physical, but the environmental and the emotional and mindset things that are happening that are going on. So let's get into the tips that I have for you to share with you regarding this situation. It, ear fluid. Remember, knowing that it is the number one thing, and these are true whether you're aware of it or not. Tip number one is that kids with unresolved ear issues, meaning that the fluid is still there, comes and goes. Maybe it's seasonal. Maybe 
they didn't get tubes. Maybe they haven't got them yet. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you decided not to do tubes and decided to to do homeopathy and chiropractic, which is a longer term, like the fluid goes away over time. It, It evades and that you keep it down, that kind of situation. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't give a kid a pill and suddenly the fluid goes away. It's a process. And it also is developmental based on the size of the child's head, the position of the eustachian tubes, which is the tube between the ears and the nose. That's why it's the most common problem with little kids is because their heads are shaped differently when they're tiny. And as they grow, it changes. The the whole ear, nose, and throat structural system changes to accommodate drainage when when they're little it doesn't they also lay down a lot more when they're little and they're up above when they're walking and moving and jumping and doing all those things the drainage happens more easily right but before kids are movable before they're able to run around and do that stuff if they're not moving a lot they could be doing that and remember if your child is moving around a lot jumping bouncing we've talked about this in other videos that's a sign that they're dealing with this ear fluid in their ears, okay? So the key here is that these kids need, remember we talked about they need you to understand their spoken language. And so they're gonna get more valuable information from learning than what they're hearing, experiential learning, what they're doing. And remember, you are already doing things every day, all day. So the first tip, if the ear fluid isn't gone because there are a lot of people that still have the ear fluid because you didn't get the tube or you're waiting for them or you're you know you're waiting for it to naturally evade or whatever you're doing right if there is still fluid there which in child's child's children between 18 months and up to three, three and a half years old, depending on how fast your kid grows um, and what's causing the ear fluid, because it could be caused by allergies and it could, could, you know, food allergies or seasonal allergies also generate fluid that happens that builds up in the head that doesn't have infection at all. But remember, it's the structural size of the head that's keeping it there. So the point of all this is, is that while things are still resolving, you're still doing things every day. You're getting dressed, you're brushing teeth, you're going places, you're doing things. Don't worry about anything abstract because your child's not thinking abstract. They're really trying to figure out how to get through daily life. So tip number one is do what you got to do. Now, teach about this. Don't worry about other stuff later while the ear issues resolve. Your late talker will tell you what they want to learn to expand it. All right, tip number two, moving into tip number two, pain, inflammation, pressure, feeling of ear fluid, and inconsistent hearing cause underlying distraction and frustration. So not only are they using these behaviors to tell you about their pain and pressure and frustration from not being able to hear or all the things that are going on in their physical blockages, they're so distracted by responding to those physical blockages. What can I do? Like I said, they could be too busy jumping off of things and onto things and pounding like this because they know that jars the ear fluid. They could be banging their heads like this, doing a lot of this stuff. They could be messing with their jaws. They could be sticking their fingers in their ears like that. And then that turns into another habit of every time I want to soothe or calm or get a a real, a feeling of relief, I'm going to 
put my fingers in my ears because even though it may or may not actually help the late talker resolve their ear fluid by putting their fingers in their ears, that's where it's happening. They're touching it. They're communicating with their hands that this is where the problem is. Now, the problem could be resolved and they still have those behaviors because remember, uh, it's bothering me. It's bothering me. It's bothering me. It's bothering me. It's bothering They could just be doing that or they could be jumping or they could be moving or they could be doing these things that make them look like they are not paying attention to you because they're not. They're paying attention to what's in their head, literally the physical fluid that's in their head. They're paying attention to that. They're paying attention to their dizziness or the fact that they can't keep their balance. They're paying attention to the fact that they can't hear the, the videos that they want to hear. They, so they're, they're trying to look at things better. They're using their eyes, all of that stuff. You'll see these characteristics of avoidance. They don't want to. They're not paying attention to you. And again, what is the number one red flag that I hear parents telling me about autism? Is it autism? They're not responding to their name. Even though I know they can hear me, they're not responding to their name, right? Because they're so distracted by the, the ear fluid that's in there. They have responded to their name when you had them in front of you and focused, but they could be responding to physical symptoms that they're just not connected with you at all. They're too busy doing their own thing. As a matter of fact, let me show you that any child in a physical thing, when we talk about in my workbook, so in my language facilitation journey to shift behavior into speaking workbook, we talk about the levels of connection with the lay talker. Here they are right here. When you've got a child who is embedded in physical issues or in their own head frustrated because they can't hear. Maybe they don't have pain or pressure anymore, but they can't hear because of the fluid. They don't have the infection. It's just a low level of fluid. Or maybe it's just sloshing around and bugging them, right? Who knows what's bothering them? When they are experiencing those things, they're way down here. They can't even connect with the world at all. Number one, number one. They can't even connect with the world because they need someone to help them with their physical issues, right? So while you're in the midst of this physical pain, the lay talkers down here, as you connect with them and help them, oh, how do we resolve this issue? We're going to figure out what's wrong. I'm going to give you remedies. We're going to talk about that and how you respond, right? Because the point is of all of this, let me, whoops, let me put this one away so you can see the other graphic. The point here is that you're going to be offering remedies to help them feel better before you start trying to teach them anything right? And in fact, the remedies that you're giving them to help their ears feel better, to help their throat feel better, to help them hear better, to help them jump and calm. And, you know, if they need to jump and move that ear fluid around, give them opportunities to do that movement. These remedies that you give them, you talk about what are, what is it doing? This is helping the ear fluid move. This is helping the, your, your frustration go away. This is helping you be able to hear Peppa Pig better because you've turned up the volume for them while you know no, they're not, you know, if they're, if they're holding the, the thing right up next to their ear because they can't hear it, right? Or they're looking, they won't shut, they, they're only visually looking, right? Offer these remedies so that it makes their experience easier and they feel less dis-ease 
because you have made their life easier. Now you're their superhero. Now you're their, their connection. Now you're the one that's helping them resolve their problems. And you use your remedies, your cuddles, your hugs, your hot water bottles, your whatever you've got to help that physical situation change, right? Now we feel better. We know we still can't hear, but at least we've got the volume turned up. You're accommodating or equipping the late talker to deal with their physical issues because they're not going away. You still have to deal with them. That's your job as a facilitator is to help the late talker. You've got good ideas for remedies, okay? And they'll show you what they need. If they're jumping a lot, give them jumping. If they need, if they're looking for water and warmth, they always want to go in the shower, they want to feel that on their body, give them more of that. Things that kids that obsess about remedies, that's just a kid who's in pain, wanting feeling of regulation and soothing right? And again, it looks very obsessive because when you're in pain and frustration, all you, all you can think about is feeling better. It's all you could think about. And so if your late talker is thinking about feeling better, that's how you connect with them. I can help you feel better. I'm a caregiver. I can help you. If, if you can help them feel better, at least you can stay with them and have empathy for them and all of that. Those are the remedies you can offer because I know you can offer remedies now. You know, you take them to the doctors and you do all that, of course. That's what they do. But you're dealing with them every day with the actual symptoms that they have. And taking them to the doctor is not enough because they're communicating 24-7 about these physical symptoms. Okay. They're not shutting it off. They're using the language they know, their behavior over and over and over again to teach you to get this help. It looks very obsessive, looks very autistic. Okay. That's why these kids are getting misdiagnosed. So these tips are going to help you not get the, you know, get the correct diagnosis. Because of course, if you suspect any of these things, then you need to be working with your, your medical professional, however you work. If you work chiropractic, homeopathy, if you work, you know, allopathy and you go the ENT way, whatever you do, the physical symptoms, if there are medical professionals who have things to help you handle that stuff, but it's not an, a one and done process. It's not. Because remember, it was building for time and all of the nonverbal spoken language that your late talker developed around this problem to focus on this issue of pain, frustration, whatever they got going on. They've been teaching you. They've been focusing on it. They've been learning it. It's been developing and evolving. And that's why you got what you got right now, whatever you got right now. Okay. Let's keep moving forward. Number three, to kids with inconsistent hearing. Okay, so this is kids that are in the process of resolving, but they know what works, right? Now, maybe you've been doing some facilitation or they had speech before and then they lost it because the ear infections came after speech developed. Any of those situations where there is some foundational spoken language, and these are kids that are older than three or two and a half probably or two for sure. You know, where you've got these kids older than two years old who understand a ton. And especially when you show them, when you've got visual aids and stuff, right? So 
the kids with inconsistent hearing, they need clear language models because whatever they have heard in the past has been not good. It's been muffled or the wrong sounds have been there. They, If they started ear infections early, early in life, they probably never developed the neurology inside of their hearing system to hear all the specific sounds and the specific words in multiple languages even for many of you families out there all of the stuff and they discerning what is what and sorting it all out is just a lot right especially if they've been clogged and now they're come out of it it's still if they had bad hearing in the past at all any inconsistencies even if the fluid came and went but you knew sometimes they were hearing great but other times they were hearing not so good it's like underwater it's basically like sticking your fingers in your ears because that's what happens the fluid builds up inside and they just can't hear so they need new models of easy to understand slow talking with big mouth movements that's brightly lit and right in their face so they can hear the right way. They can hear how speech is supposed to sound as the hearing is resolving, not after and and not before all the whole process, the whole process. You need to start now, even if your kids, you know, he's got glue ear from whatever, because this is your habit that you have to change. However you're talking to this late talker who has had a history of ear fluid, it's too slow. It's too much. It's too big. They can't pick it all up. They're just trying their best to understand and use their visual aids to help them. So use real clear talking with many, many language models, repeated, not in the moment, but in the situations. That's why I talk about using the stuff you do every day, because you can talk about toothbrushing in a hundred different ways and you get the chance to do it once or twice a day. How after often do you brush teeth in your house? Okay. And every day you get that chance to provide the language around that opportunity. You get dressed every day. You eat every day. You ride in the car every day. You go outside every day, hopefully. And all of these things that you do every day, your late talker will learn over time as their hearing resolves, as you get that fluid done. And it can't be the same old fast speech because remember the first part of it, they missed because their hearing wasn't as good. And even after their hearing was good, if they were feeling pain, they were, they were avoiding you because they were in their own head trying to solve those internal problems. Okay. So it's all about connection and giving the talking that the late talker wants slow and clear talking. So every child who has had a history of ear infections is going to potentially has the very high potential to have very unclear speech themselves. Because with speech, it's garbage in, garbage out. And if they hear muffled talking, their speech is going to be muffled. If they hear loud talking, their speech is going to be loud. If they hear, remember, whatever goes in is helping their brain learn this is what I like. There's deciphering it. Everything they come in, just like you're deciphering everything I say right now. Do I like what she's saying? Does it relate to my situation? Can I use this information? Am I going to be able to take this information and do something with my life? Otherwise, I'm wasting my time watching this video, right? 
Your late talkers feeling the same way about everything that you say. When you give them information that they can use, that they like, that they feel like they can take and use other places, you've got their attention 24-7. 24-7. That's why so many of you are subscribed. Because I write these videos, outlines, these points to meet your goals. It wouldn't make sense if I wasn't answering your questions with this information, right? Do the same for the late talker. It's your responsibility. You're the content creator in the language facilitation journey. You are the one that's responsible for laying out stuff that they want to pick up and use and learn because it's up to them to pick it up. You're not programming them, okay? Let's get into tip number four, okay? So with poor hearing... The history of poor hearing. Remember, even though these kids might have better hearing or they're in the process of resolving hearing, their helpfulness of speech just fades, right? So they begin to internally just shut off their hearing because it's like when you watch the TV, if it's staticky or too in another language or something like that, suddenly the content becomes a lot less helpful to you. And if you are so interested to learn the information, then you'll watch with your eyes. But if not, you'll turn it off completely. Okay. So the helpfulness of talking you lecturing your late talker, telling them why the, they got to do this thing and the, all this kind of business, you know, why you have rules and why they do these things. Most late talkers really want to know that stuff, but not until they get connection level way up high. Okay. Let me show you that on this guide here where I'm talking about connection when we've got a late talker who can understand and follow the basics, right? They understand they're above the two, like you're letting them know because you're teaching them how to do what they're doing. This is what you need to overcome your physical, like your physical problems. Now you can connect with me. But here is where they're testing you, you're testing them, they're testing you, you're testing them. Does this work? Is it even useful? If it's not useful, I'm out, right? It's still below the line of functional connection towards spoken language development because I'm in my own mind and you're in your own mind and I know what works for me and you know what works for you and you're trying to get me to do what you want me to do and I'm trying to get you to do what I want you to do, right? I'm trying to get you to do it my way and you're, you know, it's my way or your way and it's separate here because it's like, if you can't help me, I'm out, and that's why this tip is so, is so important because it is about establishing the connection, right? You want to show this lay talker that your speech models are helpful and fun and how you show them that is by matching it with the visual things that they're showing you that they want. They're bringing you stuff. They're pointing to it because they're developing their nonverbal communication. It's important for you, them that you understand them. So they're going to do more nonverbal stuff. And if you're doing language facilitation, you're saying, oh, you're telling me that you want to go outside now. I'm going to give you the language for that and tell you now why we can go out and why we can't go out and all of that stuff around that time, 
okay? But remember, you have to be connected before you can do that why and how and whatever, because if it's like, you can't go out because I want you to go out and I'm like, I don't care. I just want to go out. I don't care about your why. I'm meeting a need. And so if you haven't understood how to help that late talker meet that need that they're requesting, instead of saying, no, I need you to do it my way, that's how you're going to maintain separation. My way, your way are two different ways. Our way, the way we move forward is, oh, I understand you want to go outside right now, but it's nighttime and we can go out tomorrow. And what you want outside is connection with somebody. So why don't you come connect with me, right? You want to go connect with your friends because you like it when your friends show you stuff. What if I show you something right now? What if we play some jumping games because you want to go out and jump because outside is where you can jump and you're feeling ear fluid build up from sitting around all afternoon because I've been working and you've been at home playing and you need to get out and run around to slosh the ear fluid around so you go to the door, but now it's too late. It's nighttime and we can't go outside right now and you got a situation. When you connect with the late talker, you say, okay, you need to move, let's move. And then everybody's happy because the need's met. You just found a win-win situation instead of your way or my way. It's your way and my way. And with late talkers, you have to understand the meaning behind these communication to give them the helpful speech that they're like, oh, well, that's helpful. Now I'll listen to that. And not only is it helpful, it's a lot easier to use spoken language than all of these behaviors they've been using to get you to understand them. But it's only after their hearing starts to return and they can hear a lot of these spoken language models that help you get there. Okay. So I've got a lot of comments coming in. Let's see. I see some other things. Okay. So we're going to get to those questions potentially at the end because I've still got a few more tips to share with you. Um, right now, the next one I'm going to share with you is... Tip number five comes after this question. So I've got my first Q&A question, which was the whole reason that I put together this video. And it's this one. So I had a mom, because I've done other videos on this ear infection issue and why ear infections look like autism and they get misdiagnosed as autism. If you want to know why it happens, you can look at that all those other videos. But now you want to know what to do. So what happens usually when I see in the responses, I'm taking my kid to the ENT instead of the developmental pediatrician and get their ears checked. And then they find suddenly that they've got ear fluid and then they start working on those issues, the physical issues, and they don't go for those autism diagnoses anymore, but they're still getting brought up right? Somebody suggested it in the first place and they don't stop saying because your kid is still doing these behaviors. And that's exactly what this happens. Her son's hearing was affected 60 to 70% by ear fluid. Okay. That's a ton. 70% is like pressure, hard pressure on your ears. You couldn't even hardly hear me with 60 to 70% loss, not to mention the physical symptoms that go with that kind of clogged up head feeling. Yikes, poor kiddo. However, he had the surgery, great. And as per the doctor, he now is hearing well, right? So no more pain, no more pressure, child's hearing well, 45 days after the surgery, he still has the autism behaviors. Is this normal? Now we know based on tips one through three, one through four, I guess, that we've talked about now, is that it is normal. Because remember, 
the behaviors that someone else is taking out of a spoken out of a language communication context and they're putting them on a list comparing them to other kids looking at these other things that person does not understand how to connect with this child and understand how they are communicating. They also have not taken into consideration the fact that this child did not hear. They didn't hear. So any child who cannot hear for a period of time is going to have a spoken language delay. And any child who cannot hear and has a spoken language delay is going to use nonverbal communication to communicate their wants and needs. And by however old this child is, two, three years old, I don't know how old this child is, by this time, this lay talker has developed a significant nonverbal. In 45 days, you can develop a language. Because I know it happens in my program all the time because people drop it in that period of time. And so that's what needs to happen here is that just because you have the flu and just because you do the homeopathy, just because you take a kid to the chiropractors and you do the surgeries or whatever to get the fluid out, where who's working on this whole process of, of nonverbal language development that the late talker's been in, not to mention their lack of connection with the language facilitator. That doesn't come from the ENT's office or the homeopathist or the chiropractor. That comes from you, the language facilitator, because you're the one that has dealt with, how did you know there was an ear problem in the first place? You looked at nonverbal communication or the lack of it, and then you started doing your analysis, right? At the very beginning, we talked about what you are going to do. Language facilitators, true language facilitators, they use their own, your own intuitive understanding of your particular child because they're all different. The physical, environmental, and emotional mindset issues surrounding the problem. Did you even connect with your child while you were taking them to the doctors and the ENTs and the surgeries and all that? Have you been holding your child down to give them medicines to do things? Because that doesn't create connection, right? Have you had to do things? Did you have a misdiagnosis situation and you started treating your child like you, they or other people did? Started treating your child like they were not intelligent and try to force them to do things or whatever. You know what got you to where you are right now. And I promise you it's not just ear infections or ear fluid. Okay? It's not. They're environmental and mindset things that happened that got you to where you are right now. So... Tip number five that you need to know, no matter what physical cause of your child's late talking, that all kids, late talkers included, because remember, late talkers want to learn to talk. It's not like you're teaching them something they don't need. They need communication. They absolutely want it to be easier. But talking's hard for them. And that's why they avoid it. That's why they pick up. That's why they teach you their own language. And if you're ignoring that language, that means that late talker does, can't rely on you. He'll, they, they will find the ones that will respond. You know this. You know who they will respond. 
you and and in fact, if you don't respond, they'll keep doing it until you respond. They'll make you respond because remember, you've been trying to make them do stuff and they learned it from you. Okay, so kids will repeat and practice words that they love before words that they need. So if you want to get them in, sneak them into the idea of, hey, speech is easy. It's all about this. If it isn't fun, it isn't fun. Holding kids down, putting kids in places, making them do stuff they don't want to do, making them say words they don't want to say because you want them to say it or anybody else wants them to do it. To get a high five, to get a candy bar, to get a whatever they get. It isn't fun. It's work. And if it isn't fun, it isn't fun for these kids. End of. End of. But the great news is you can make it fun. You can make speech fun by using the tools that I'm giving you right here on this video right here. Keep first topics fun and useful. Like we talked about, just model the language for the stuff that you're already doing. Just even make it fun. So you're using toothbrushing, make it fun. You're using walking around the house, make it fun. You're using cleaning up, make it fun. Make it fun. You have to make it fun because if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. And the lay talker won't pick it up. And remember, they will not pick it up unless it's either traumatic or fun. Okay? So, the kids do learn from trauma. It just is not fun. We all learn from trauma, right? No, I won't do that again. You fall down, you make mistakes, you do whatever. But it doesn't make sense to cause trauma to a child for learning, does it? Especially when you have fun as a choice. So you do, you absolutely, you absolutely do have a choice about making this process fun or not. That's up to you because you keep your first topic fun with songs, change the tone of your voice, maintain super stuff. And then guess what? Now you're interesting enough to learn new things. Just like me making this video for you, right? You wouldn't show up and watch unless it was useful at least entertaining. I don't know. I got my green screen going today causing you to make you smile about the process because look, this is the child that you love. This is your baby. You want to help them be the best that they can be, right? But it's not It's the same if you do it and then you create the result. Look what I made my kid do today, right? Now you got to make them do that every day in order to see that result. But when you equip them and empower them to do it themselves, they do. They do, you guys. And parents around the world are proving that this works, okay? And for those of you who do know that are following me, all you out there, thank you to all of you who subscribe and watch these videos and come back every week and get more tips and go and teach your lay talkers because we need their knowledge. We need their wisdom in the world. And I can't do it. You guys have to do it. So your kids are the change makers for our future. So share the info about waves of communication with other people. Just share what you're doing. Share it with your therapists. Share it with your, your colleagues and friends. If they say, well, aren't you going for that autism diagnosis? Say, nope, I'm doing it instead. I'm doing it myself, right? I don't need that other stuff to help me facilitate spoken language. I can do it better and faster and easier than any professional. I know it. 
I've been doing it for decades and I know I can't do it as well as you can because I'm not there. You're there. You know this child better than anyone. You have an intuitive connection with them that I never could establish and I'm intuitive, okay? So let's just talk a little bit more about the questions that I had that came in over um the past couple weeks. So the first one is from Brooke and she says what usually causes babbling in an two and a half year old, only babbling with occasional words and lots of babbling. Okay. So this situation happens. I'm going to go ahead and pull out this same connection thing in the, in the language facilitation workbook. And this comes from my 11 week journey to shift behavior into speaking. Available on Amazon, in print, and if it's not available in print where you live, it's available on um, Kindle, so you can get it. See these charts, follow these charts, record your connection every day. The reason that a two-year-old would have only babbling and occasional pop-out words is because they are self-directing their speech and they're using nonverbal with you. So that means that whatever speech they're doing is entertainment value only. And as far as the spoken language connection with the language facilitator, they're connecting with devices, they're connecting with whatever's entertaining to them, and they'll imitate those things that they like. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. You know, Peppa Pig says, it's a blue thing. And the kid says blue because they know they're going to say words that they know always. So the connection level here is, and with a two-year-old that's doing their own thing and babbling is still here at number three, where they're still busy trial and erroring, trial and erroring, testing, testing, testing. In fact, here at the expression level, let's talk about this. This is the levels of functional spoken language. Oops, this is understanding. Never mind. Not this one. It's this one right here. It's this one. Expression. Functional spoken language expression. Right here, where your late talker is, is maybe somewhere between the two and three. Because with you, they know how to use nonverbal communication to get you to do things, and you're responding to it. And it's working just fine. That's a comfort zone. And then here is where they're like, oh, I like that word. So they'll say it occasionally and do that and parroting what they hear. So your child right now is between a two and three. And always how you improve this is by improving this connection. You always improve expression through connection because remember just like i talked about in this video you're going to be connecting about the things your lay talker likes because remember they're going to talk about the things that they like before the words that are useful for them and so while you're talking about fun things you're also providing the useful things because remember they've know they learn these things they understand understanding here let's look at understanding for this same child is way above the line potentially they're already here they're following some basic directions maybe or maybe they're between here and here depending on how well they respond to you and what kind of nonverbal communication you're going because remember in this question the mom is just asking Brooke is just asking about the expression level so what happens when the late talker does that hang on a second I just gotta pull this up to pull this down all right let me put these guys away so hopefully, Brooke, what you're going to do to help this late talker is to connect and provide them with more language models. And in the workbook, it shows you how to do that. 
Okay, let's see. I know that there were some comments that are coming in. The first one is, where can I buy the book? The links are in the description of this video. You can get them on Amazon, wherever you are worldwide. So look at your, if you're not in the United States, look at your local Amazon, wherever you can get them, and you should be able to order it either on Kindle or on paperback. Um, all right, so let's see. Um, yeah, here's a couple more. Language delayed. Toddler can whistle but has no words except mama. Will the humming fade when speech is developed? The answer is yes. Because as you move up those scales in the workbook, the speech replaces the behavior because that is the whole journey, right? You are shifting behavior into speaking and even humming. Remember, all behavior is communication. Spoken behaviors, echolalic speech, kids repeating things, kids humming, kids making noises, kids saying things to themselves, self-talk. We talked about that last week. All of that, that humming is like a base level self-talk. It makes me feel better. I'm understanding. I'm self-regulating, right? So in that case, then it will. That's the whole point of this language facilitation journey. The way that I coach it with the workbook is to shift all of the nonverbal communication into verbal communication, spoken language communication, right? Okay, so here's another question from Cece today. How do I know my child is an Einstein syndrome kid and I'm not just a mom in denial, if that makes sense? Oh, such sense, such sense. See, because people are told they're in denial when um, by people who have a very one angled look at the situation. When you have a professional who is specializing in the ear fluid, the one who is specializing in the autism evaluation, the one who is specialized in the, you know, I call them autism evaluations because what happens is kids, it's the second level. The first level ugh, also could be early intervention screeners. So, when I was in the system, when I was working in the system, the reason I left was because the system was financially driven toward increasing of autism diagnoses, and that's why these checklists exist. So if I literally was told in a contract, if a child does X, Y, Z, it was my requirement, contractual requirement as a contracted therapist with the state funded program, if I saw these things, I was obligated to refer for autism screening. So your professional could also be under a similar obligation for their employer. And when they come to you to say, are you sure you don't want to go for the autism screener? It's just a screener. They're just ruling things out. They're ruling autism in. And that's what they're telling you. You just ha have to be strong and continue to say no thank you. Because once again, when they say things like, all right, you're in denial, you're turning down this free thing I'm offering you, this amazing service. Now we're going to early identification and early whatever and get your child in and services that are great for you and blah, 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 blah. And you're just in denial and you're missing out. And they're making you feel guilty that you're not taking advantage of this stuff with these comments. So I'm super glad you, you put this up, Cece. It's very brave for you to say that you think that you're in denial because someone told you you're in denial. You're not in denial. 
You're intuitive. You're like, you know, you watch that Einstein videos, that Einstein syndrome video. And if you haven't seen it and your kiddo is super smart, solving problems and doing all this stuff, right? The deal is here. You know, you are the job owner. You are the CEO of this process. And if you believe, you look at that video, I'm not going to tell you anything about your child because I haven't ever seen your child or you or whatever, but you did, you know, you've been watching these videos for a long time. You've been around here for a long time. And if you believe your child is gifted in other areas, but is speech delayed, then you're right. You're right. Because I've never, ever met a parent that's wrong when they go with their gut. Now, I have seen parents take bad advice from therapists, from doctors. They give their kids treatments. They put them in services. They do stuff because other people told them stuff and guilted them into it and made them think they got to do it. Science says, I just saw this and got into an argument on Facebook the other day from somebody touting ABA. Science suggests this is what must be done. Nothing must be done. Nothing. That's why I don't tell you what to do. Okay. I tell you what to think. And when you think you know what to do, then do that, Cece. Do that. Everybody, you guys. Everybody. All right. This is a good one. Yanni's got one. How can I have my son with pronunciation? So remember, all the late talkers that have had a history of ear fluid are going to be hard to understand. They're just going to be hard to understand. Thanks for your recommendations, but sometimes I don't understand because he misses some sounds. Of course he does because he's still developing. For example, he misses the sound, the letter S at the beginning of the word. He's six years old. Thank you so much. And the reason that S is missed is because it's one of the quietest sounds. And for all that time that there was inconsistent hearing going on, he missed it completely. It didn't even get into the program of whatever. It was just skipped over or it was mooshed with somebody with with another letter because remember depends on how fast you're talking in what language and all this other stuff too the smoosher your speech is the harder it is to understand and how these kids are learning especially like we said let's look because of language facilitation this kid is talking now he wasn't talking before he is talking now but it's hard to understand okay so now you know Yanny right here. Look at Yanny. Woohoo, Yanny. Chin chin Yanny. You got improvement. You did this yourself. You did it with these strategies. That's why these work, you guys. Okay. So thanks to language facilitation, the kiddo's talking, but it's hard to understand him. First of all, do more of the same, but you've got to slow down and you've got to focus on the target areas. Now that your late talker is a listener. So this is after the fact, right? You, once you reach and teach, because that's what we talk about. It's a reach and teach process. You get together with them, connect with them, and then teach them what they need. That's why the connection part is without connection, you can't get any progress. Okay. So you connect first and then get it. You've already established your connection. Now you've got to get that mindset into the late talker to try harder. First of all, you got to let them know what they're missing, right? Ooh, you're trying to say snake. And especially with the blends, they'll never have those S's. They always drop them. And so what you'll have to do is focus on the topic. Make the missing letters 
your focus topic for the week. If it's the L sound, if it's the S sound, if it's the G sound, if it's the K sound, whatever sound your lay talker's missing, it's just like spoken language ideas. So let's say they don't know the language around toothbrushing. They all, all they know is the nouns. They know brush and paste and scrub, right? The, ver- the label for the verb. Your spoken language using using toothbrushing as the topic of focus, you're going to teach them squeeze and turn the knob, uh, you know, turn the knob on the thing and how to squeeze the tube and only carefully a little bit. All of that extra language that talks about how you do those things. What are the details about those things? So that's when we talk about focus topics using the language facilitation workbook. With spoken language, pronunciation, the letter sounds of target sounds are your focus topics. So we're having an S week or S blends week or that kind of stuff. And then you'll identify where do you see things with those sounds throughout your day. And your careful, slow talking models are going to help your lay talker pick up the better talking. And the other thing is, too, when you get them at this stage, they're way up high. So let's talk again. Let's look again at this connection when we talk about a child like Yanni, who has been working really hard with her late talker. They're constantly above the line, right? She's way past. This is comfort zone. Here is her her late talker's happy about learning things. She needs to get him way up here where he is independently trying harder to improve his speech, not just say the same things, comfort zone stuff, to get what I need and get things and whatever, that's probably where he is right now. And you want more effort to get better speech. We always want more effort to get better speech because this is an evolutionary process that never stops. So that's how you're going to do is keep doing this. And you always keep increasing this connection by providing the language models that your late talker needs and keeping them fun and then focusing on the topics that you want. So if they love um, if they love animals, then you're going to have S-related animals things that you're doing. If they love cars, you're going to have S-related vehicle things that they're doing. If they love outside stuff, you're going to have S-related nature things that you're going to be talking about. But you got to bring up those topics. This is always the thing about language facilitation. It's not you are facilitating the process. You're equipping the talker with the language that you know they need to learn and that they want to learn. And so you know they need to learn it because you're getting them ready to do these experiences. Go to school and go out and go to parties and go to whatever you're wanting them to do. You've got to equip them to go out into the world to do that. That's your job as the facilitator. You make all those other things easy for the late talker. You can't rely on those people to do it. You want to connect them with people that make their job easy right? If they make it hard for the late talker, then that's not a good connection at all. But again, the process of shifting the connection from you to someone else, that's your responsibility to to facilitate that transition as the language facilitator. And then you pick people who will be a good guide, a good person like that. So if you find a speech therapist for kids that have speech sound problems, Remember, it's not about the flashcards and the drill and the practice over and over and over and over again, which is a lot about what's going on. You really need to get into functional practice with things they're doing. If your kids love books, use all of that. Okay, so let's see. No other questions there, but I have one more. I have two more. One more. One more. 
two more. Sometimes my son uses incomplete sentences. Here we go with grammar errors. Oh, I love this question too. Sometimes he uses the opposite words, right? So for example, he, if he needs to say up, he says down on instead of off. How should I respond? Okay. So when I hear this kind of comment, this is a late talker who's a lot older, right? Who's doing a lot of speech and they are, you know, when he uses words. So I'm, I'm going to say this late talker is either using words, either hopefully not to answer questions, because if they're getting the wrong answers to questions, that means that you're using a teach test reward system and the late talker just hasn't memorized all the right answers yet. Um, and it's not functional for spoken language, but it helps kids pass tests. So I don't recommend that you use questions questions and Q&A and, um, you know, those drills with here's all the opposites, on, off, up, down. It sounds like there has been a lot of that in this particular late talkers experience. So remember, late talkers are going to use the language that they have been taught and they're going to use it in the way that you facilitate. So in these situations where this late talker is using the wrong words, the only situation I can see that you would have impact would be during a pretend play or a functional situation where the late talker is describing like, um, let's say you're playing with an elevator in the, in the, in the cars and that in the, you know what I'm talking about? The the garages and they've got that elevator. Okay. And the cars are going up and down and in and out of the elevator. Okay. And you, the late talker puts the car going in now down up, you know, and they're, they've got it backwards. That would be the only way that I could see them having a incorrect understanding of the language. And I find that very hard to believe because what I believe is happening is that this late talker is a Gestalt language learner and he has memorized a bunch of chunks of speech. And in these situations where he's using the wrong one, he's being prompted by someone to give an answer. And he's like, oh wait, which is the answer? Is it the up? Is it the down? Is it the in? Is it the out? And remember the distraction of am I going to get the right answer is what blocks the ability to give the correct answer, right? They're not focusing on the test. They're focusing on their ability or lack there of it to participate in the test. Oh no, they're asking me questions again. Am I going to get the right answer? Am I going to be able to do that stuff? Okay. So the remedy for this, where you have a late talker who is using a lot of the wrong languages, that means that you have to dial your language facilitation um, itinerary, really dial it in to your topics of focus and facilitate. Don't worry about what the late talker's producing. Start over with uh, accurate functional models that are in functional situations. And if opposites is your topic of focus for the week, then you have to teach them functionally. 
while you're playing with the car and you're showing him cars going up, cars going down, and you're providing those language models. You're not testing to see, is he doing it correctly? You're not waiting. You're expecting them to get it wrong. And when they get it wrong, you understand the avenue, the way they're thinking, and then you provide them with the correct models to it. Oh, you're talking about elevators going up and down. Let me show you. Let me show you. My turn. Cars going in, cars going up, cars going down. You try it. You try it. Now it's your turn. You try it. And always give a demonstration or explanation because they're just making mistakes as they're trying to learn. And it's because late talkers who are Gestalt language learners are all trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Watch the video I did last week about self-talk because remember, a lot of the stuff that comes out of their mouth, it's all wrong because they have memorized these bits and they're trying to put it together into a functional language, just like we talked about earlier in this video, how they were using nonverbal behaviors to communicate their pain and frustration. Older Einstein level late talkers are using all kinds of communication, eye contact, facial expressions, gestures, things they do habitually in your house. They always go to a place and stand there. You know what I mean? That's the kind of language development these kids are doing their brain they're developing their own language okay so your job is to understand that the language process is going but you got to guide this because they need a language and you got to make the spoken language easy to learn so they give up those behaviors and pick up the spoken language that works with everybody it's easier. It's functional. It works with everybody. So it's all about keeping your models into the functional things that are going on. Okay. And that is how you're going to move forward. I know I'm over my hour, but I do have one more question I want to get to really quick. And that is this one. Charlie started using signs with his hands. Not to me just yet. He's picked this up from the wiggles. Now, remember, kids who have ear fluid issues could be picking up a lot of gestures. And a lot of these shows, they use gestures as communication. Hi, let's go. We're going to eat our food now. It's time to drink, right? They're doing a lot of these. They're signs or made up signs or gestures, like I'm doing a lot of this, that will kids will pick up. Lay talkers who are interested in connecting now. Charlie is connecting with these wiggles on the TV. He's connecting with this people. He's connecting with what they learn. He's connecting with that. He wants to be like them. Okay. Now, is this the connection, first of all, that you want to facilitate? Because this late talker's learning language from the television. Okay. And a lot of late talkers learn language from the television right? And the thing is, he's not using it with her, not with me, just by himself. He's practicing. He's on his own developing nonverbal spoken language because he's not connected with you. He's connected with the TV and the TV can't connect back with him. They just project. And if you want your late talker to pick up what they're projecting, you better start projecting. Okay. Do I, do I think you should encourage this? That he should teach him more signs so that he can communicate non-verbally with the TV? I do not. I do not. He won't try as hard with speech because you're connecting him with the Wiggles and not with you. If you want him to connect with you, you got to be like the Wiggles. 
You got to do your signs. You got to sing your songs. You got to do whatever because Charlie loves the Wiggles. And he loves you. He loves you. But you can't pass off your language facilitation responsibility to the Wiggles or anybody else. The speech therapist. Same thing. Your kid could be learning signs from the speech therapist. And then at home, they're playing around and doing it. Do you want to teach them nonverbal speech? Or do you want to replace their behavior into speaking? <laughs> That's what you want, right? That's what you want. Okay. That's it for now. Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. What a great Q&A session. A lot of really valuable information to help you move forward. You guys are it. You're the ones who are responsible for the language facilitation journey. Thanks for tuning in today. With a whole range of waves of communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. This tool is helping parents worldwide create non-stop language facilitation opportunities that elevate spoken language beyond even their own expectations. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.